Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Medics Money Triage. I'm back from introducing the main podcast this week. If you missed it, Tommy and Ed were interviewed by Alan from the Association of Anesthetists. Check it out if you missed it. There's some good stuff in there about financial well-being and how Medics Money was founded. For this week's triage, I've taken from episode 85 of the main podcast. For reference, we've just hit episode 163. And this episode was entitled Pay Less Tax by Claiming a Doctor's Tax Rebate Today. Originally aired on March the 8th, 2022. Every so often we like to put content out about this since there are still colleagues out there who haven't made a claim on their tax deductible expenses. If you'd like our free guide to take you through all of this, head over to medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash free dash guide. That's medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash free hyphen guide. Some of the very basics are covered at the start of the episode, so just to give you a quick summary. The tax year in the UK runs from the 6th of April of any given year through to for the following 5th of April. So for instance, this tax year runs from the 6th of April 2023 to the 5th of April 2024. Most taxpayers are entitled to a tax-free personal allowance each tax year, at least until you go over a certain income, at which point the tax allowance is clawed back. And currently this personal allowance is at £12,570 and is frozen until 2028. So that's the basic recap done. Let's get into the first clip. Expenses that are tax deductible against employment income or your salary as a doctor, they basically fall into five categories and we went through these in, in podcast two. So there's a lot of detail in there, okay? I'm not gonna go over all of it again. But most importantly for doctors, professional fees or subscriptions paid to an organization approved by HMRC should be tax deductible. Two other categories that are important for doctors include certain travel expenses and of course payment into an occupational pension scheme such as the NHS pension scheme. And you should automatically be getting tax relief on your pension contributions. You should see that that's the case on your monthly payslips. If you look at your monthly payslip, your gross income and your taxable income shouldn't be the same thing because your pension is taken off your gross income to derive your taxable income. But going back to the professional subscriptions, HMRC have a list of approved organizations. And if you pay a professional subscription fee to one of those, you are entitled to a tax deduction against your employment earnings. So any annual subscription fees paid to the Royal Colleges, the GMC, the BMA, or the MDU or MPS, for example, these are all tax deductible. And CCT fees are also allowable, okay? So these, these, all these fees can be claimed against your employment income as a doctor. And that CCT one is one that we see commonly missed. It's just not well known about. So if you used our guide, obviously it mentions it. So download the guide. But I've seen loads of doctors that don't claim that back. And I think it's £700 or something. I think I paid about that last August when I became a GP. £700 is so expensive. It's quite a hit really. So getting 40% of that back is definitely worth doing. The organisations that are eligible, they, these can be found on what's known as HMRC's list free, which you can find on the internet. But just bear in mind that the list is a bit odd though, as those of you who use our guide will know. For example, there's no point looking on that list for the General Medical Council under G, it's actually found under M for Medical Council General. And don't look for any Royal College under the letter R because none of them are there. For the RCGP, you need to look under G for General Practitioners, comma, Royal College of, and so on. So it's a little bit of a strange list, but they are there if you look for them. Almost like they're trying to make it difficult for us to claim thousands of pounds of tax back for these super expensive. That's it. They don't really want to relinquish this money, to be honest, and they will need it for other things. Sorry, Rishi, but we are helping our colleagues out to claim this back because those exams and everything's super expensive and you can get up to 40% back. All right. So one thing that we get asked a lot and is covered in the guide again, what about training costs? Yeah. So this is much more complicated because... Training costs don't fall into one of the specific categories for allowable expenses. So there are five 
categories, as I said. Training costs don't fall into these, so they fall into what's called the general rule, which a lot of you will know is very hard to meet the criteria for those. It's very strict. I'm not gonna go over that again because that was a huge chunk of that podcast too, and let's cut to the chase here. Most continuing professional development, surprisingly, is not actually tax deductible, okay? As I say, I won't go into the, the whys and wheres, we did it all out in podcast two. We've got a transcript of that podcast, which is going to be on our website. So you can check that out. I'm sure we can put a link somewhere in the podcast for that as well. The major exemption, though, is examination fees. If they are part of a Royal College training contract as a junior doctor. And the only reason we have that exemption is that a doctor basically took HMIC to court and against all odds won their case. Because usually, and there have been many court cases where doctors tried to claim exam expenses and said, well, look, I have to do this expense, my job. HMIC have always taken them to court or vice versa. And the courts have always ruled in HMIC's favour because the legislation is worded so well that essentially nothing much is allowable if HMIC don't want it to be. But to the surprise of everyone, this court case, a dermatology registrar, Banerjee, they won their case. And ever since, HMRC, to their annoyance, have been forced to allow doctors to deduct their exam fees, and that includes resets, against their employment income for tax purposes. Just to add to that, any revision courses, those don't count as tax deductible. So the exam fees, resets, certain associated costs like travel to the exam, for example, they all now are tax deductible, but revision courses aren't because we get asked that quite a lot. I think HMRC would see that as a final slap in the face if they had to give back the money for revision courses as well. So they wouldn't allow those. Yeah, good to clarify that though. So Dr. Banerjee, if you're listening, we would absolutely love to have you on the podcast because it was their case that led to this. So thanks very much. So another popular question we get is what are the time limits for making a claim? Well, employees can claim back for the previous four tax years, as well as the current one. So you can, at the time of recording, claim back to the 2019-2020 tax year. Think about it for a second. That's a lot of expensive Royal College fees, exam fees, etc. All for four years, so it can really add up to a sizable chunk of money back into your pocket. During these times of the cost of living crisis, it's never been more pertinent to keep track of this and make your claims wherever possible. We're not kidding. Wait till you run a survey when this episode aired and have a listen to the amount of doctors have saved through using our guide. When you download the guide, as I said, we send you some emails to help you. And on one of the emails is a link to a survey where we ask you, was there anything that we could do better? And, you know, how could we improve the guide? But we also ask them how much they claimed. And I haven't worked out recently, but I think the average amount was £1,245 at one stage. But the range, I think someone got up to six and a half grand back. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen people that get three, four thousand pounds back. Six and a half. That's really good. Thanks for anyone who filled out that survey yeah and that's really useful information for us absolutely so how do you make a claim here's ed talking you through it as tommy says the easiest way is to set up a personal tax account and then make a claim via that personal tax account and as tommy said if you want a step-by-step guide to making a claim this way then please please do head to our website you, you can download it for free hundreds thousands of doctors have now done that and it's a really good way to to get some money back Yep. If you've already downloaded it several years ago, we update the guide every year and we'll roll out a new guide shortly after the start of the next tax year. So just re-download the guide because a few things have changed. Redownload the guide. Yeah, yeah, definitely get the new version each year because things change. Two other things to note on this point. If you already do a self-assessment tax return, then you need to make your claim on that return, okay? There's no point in it. Well, there's a, there is a point in downloading our guide because it's got loads of useful information in it, but you can't make the claim via the personal tax account if you already do a self-assessment tax return, okay? You need to put all your employment expenses on that return, okay? Uh, and the other thing to note is that if you don't currently have to do a tax return and you use our guide and you use your personal tax account to make a claim, then if in any given tax year, the amount you want to claim 
exceeds £2,500, then HMRC will insist that you do a tax return for that year to make your claim. So if I had, let's say, four tax years worth of expenses to claim, three of which were for, let's say, £2,000, and then one of them was for £3,000, then I would need to do a tax return for the year in which the expenses totaled £3,000 because that exceeds 2500 but I could make a claim for all the other years, which were £2,000 each, via the personal tax account, okay? So just because one year is over 2400 and you have to do a return for that, doesn't mean you have to do a return for any other year. All of this you can do yourself, but if there was one thing that you might consider using an accountant for, it would possibly be that. But we're also working on a solution for that as well, maybe. So for those of you who just need to do self-assessment to claim the expenses, right? Yeah, absolutely. We are working on that, definitely. But you might want to consider either getting an accountant or use our solution, which will be coming hopefully down the line, because it is quite easy, sadly, to make mistakes, shall we say, and end up getting fined. So just be really careful. You won't believe this next bit. I found more tax trivia. This one is actually the link between tax and the burning of the Houses of Parliament, believe it or not. Check it out. I thought this would be quite an interesting one. I'm afraid there's only so much tax trivia out there, so I'll do my best to think of more things, but this is certainly, I think, quite an interesting one, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So, basically, around 1100, so quite a while ago, the king at the time, Henry I, introduced a system in medieval England called the tally stick systems. I'm sure you guys have all heard of tally marks. And he would only accept the tally stick system for taxes, and it was basically the tool by which the government collected taxes using the local sheriffs, and they did that for seven centuries. And basically the way it worked is, tally marks were made on sticks with the thickness of the cut equaling the monetary value. So if you had a mark on that stick as thick as a palm of the hand, that represented a thousand pounds, whereas the breadth of a little finger represented a pound. I think the breadth of a thumb represented 20 pounds, etc. So they used these marks to represent monetary value. And then they cut the stick. The cuts were basically made the full width of the stick. So that after splitting, the portion kept by the issuer exactly matched the piece given as a receipt. And then each stick had the details of the transaction written on it in ink to make a valid record. And this what we call the split tally system of the, the exchequer or the government that actually remained in continuous use all the way up until 1826. So that was how people in those days would pay their taxes and how they would claim a receipt. Now, the issue was that in 1834, tally sticks, basically representing six centuries worth of financial records, were stored in the Houses of Parliament. And things began to move away from tally sticks, more towards the paper, etc. So someone was ordered basically to burn them, to get rid of them. And when asked to burn them, the Clerk of Works of Parliament, I'm going to guess it's going to be heat in those days, thought that the two underfloor stoves in the basement of the House of Lords would be a safe and a great place to burn a six centuries worth of tax records. Genius. Eco-friendly, recycling. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Let's find out. So uh, I think I've probably given away the punchline there. But on the 16th of October, some workmen arrived in the morning to carry out those instructions. During the afternoon, needless to say, visitors to the House of Lords became slightly puzzled by the heat coming up through the floor by the smoke that began to seep through it. Despite this, the workmen just continued because they were doing a good job there, the professionals, and the premises were locked for the day. But then sadly, as you probably guessed, by six o'clock, the House of Lords was completely on fire. Very quickly, the flames then spread to the rest of the Palace of Westminster, the House of Parliament. Both Houses of Parliament, Lords and Commons, were destroyed, along with most of the other buildings on the site. I think Westminster Hall, that was that was saved largely due to a really heroic firefighting efforts and luckily a change in the direction of the wind. So Westminster Hall, that if you ever visited there, that's 
existed since before the fire, many, many centuries before the fire. Of course, subsequently, the House of Parliament were rebuilt, including a brand spanking new clock tower that would then go on to House Big Ben, which we all know and love today. But that's why or how our way of administrating taxes in the UK, especially in England, basically indirectly resulted in the burning down of the House of Parliament. I don't know what to say. It's just so bizarre, but so genius and so popular, you know, and absolutely nothing to do with claiming a tax rebate. No, nothing at all. Luckily, you don't have to claim your tax rebates on tally sticks. You just need to download our guide and utilise your personal tax account. Much easier and unlikely to burn down the House of Parliament. If that's not an advert for why you should tune in every week to the podcast, I truly don't know what is. Finally, another part of this episode is Tommy and Ed taking questions from real-life listeners of the podcast, which you guys seem to absolutely love. The next question is... I'm a junior doctor in the UK. I've got a question for Medics Money, and I'm sure there's quite a few other junior doctors out there in a similar position. When submitting your tax return, there is an option to declare more than a single employer for each tax year. Most junior doctors will move between trusts each August, and therefore have at least two separate employers for a given tax year. My question is, therefore whether it's mandatory to declare both or all of your employers for a single tax year, even in the event of being able to fully attribute all of your incurred expenses, such as exam and subscription fees, to your employment with a single trust or employer. Firstly, yes, you have to include separate employment pages for all the different employments that you had in the tax year. And it's really important that you do this because HMRC will almost certainly charge you a penalty for incorrectly filling out your tax return if you don't. And that's the sort of information that they just have automatically and they can easily check and they get extra money by charging you a fine. So definitely include all employments that you had in each tax year. Can I just clarify something here that is filling out a self-assessment himself. He's not using the super simple online form via our guide. Is that what we're saying? Well, it looks like it says he's submitting his first tax return. Yeah, that was why. I just wanted to clarify that because if your head is in a spin and you're thinking this sounds terribly complicated, it's not. Just follow our guide. So there could be loads of different reasons yeah. why he needs to I just thought we should clarify return. that. Yeah, that's, no, that's a very good point. So... If you do need to do a tax return, then definitely include all your separate employments in that tax return. Okay, it's really important that you do that. And when you include the employment expenses that you wish to deduct against your employment income, you need to work out when the expenses were paid and allocate them against the income of the job you're working at that time. So it sounds like in this case, all the fees could go against employer one, and that's fine. You put them all down against against that. If that's when you paid them and you're working for that employer at the time, that's great. If you have multiple employments and incurred fees at different times and different employments, then you need to allocate them against the income of the job you're working at that time, which can be quite a faff. And to be honest, it won't make any difference whatsoever in the grand scheme of things. It's just that's the correct way of doing things. Yeah, so that's a key point. It won't make any difference, will it? But you just got to do it. No. As always, triage is designed to be a bit shorter. So if you want to hear answers to more questions, such as on excess claims and why HMRC might ask you to pay more tax, check out the full episode wherever you get your podcasts. As always, link to the original episode in the description. That's all we've got time for today. So thanks for checking in to our weekly triage clinic. Hope you're enjoying it. Any comments, questions or anything else, say hi at matthew at medicsmoney.co.uk. In the meantime, have a lovely weekend and I'll see you soon.